And we've already had a great move of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So God has prepared us for this word. So we've been rejoicing and we've been shouting and we've been thanking and we've been praising. And now God says, I need you to take my work serious. Amen? That uh, we are one heartbeat from eternity. Amen? I want to preach that this morning if you're taking notes. One heartbeat from eternity. So last Saturday, uh, not yesterday, but last Saturday, uh, we uh, sent home my uncle, Bob, who I mentioned um, in the last week how important he was uh, to our church, to me, to our family. And I just kind of want to throw that out again this morning in case somebody wasn't here for that message um, uh, on destiny, how important it is that when we listen to the Holy Spirit uh, and, and obey, God changes the course of our destiny. And uh, if you are in this church and God has done anything in this church uh, for you, like Ruth said, if I personally, for the glory of God, have ever had a chance to minister to you in any way or help you in any way or do anything for you for the Lord, it all goes back to credit to my uncle and my aunt sending me to Costa Rica 25 years ago. And uh, so we celebrated his life. And um, at the funeral, which was a wonderful funeral, I was able to speak and give the eulogy and honor him and thank God for the investment that he did in my life. He lived a, a life for God, and he lived every, every day for the Lord once he got saved and uh, had just recently got saved when he sent me uh, to Costa Rica 25 years ago with my aunt and their finances. And um, much of the family was there in his room uh, at the hospital at Presbyterian, when his last heartbeat happened. It was on the monitor, and there was no more, and he passed into eternity. Many of us have lost loved ones in here. Many of us have had people go into eternity. But I want to mention something this morning that happened last week uh, that really caused me to want to preach this, and I wanted to wait till today and not preach it on Wednesday. Wednesday I preached on the rapture. And staying ready for Jesus to come at any moment. Amen? At any moment, he can blow that trumpet and come back for us. But as we were going to the, to the grave site, we were driving all the way, that long drive from North Denton over to, um, someone tell me the name of the cemetery, Rose Lawn, over here, South Denton, um, not too far from our old building. As we were driving there, um, we got to the cemetery and we're getting out of the car. And I noticed that my cousin, uh, Nikki, was weeping very heavily. And I, I thought maybe, it, my first thought was, well, she must just have just really gotten hit hard that her, that was her grandfather, uh, was gone and we're getting to the gravesite. And it didn't take long to realize that she was uh, obviously sad for my uncle or my grandpa, my uncle, but it was not for that. She had found out on the way to the gravesite that her brother-in-law had been killed in a motorcycle accident on his way to the funeral, and he was actually supposed to sing at my uncle's funeral. And so he went into an intersection with his heart beating and was driven out of that intersection with no heartbeat in an instant at 25 years old, had just turned 25 years old, and had just been married 11 months. And so after that funeral, then they had another viewing on Tuesday and another funeral on Wednesday, which I went to, which was a beautiful fabulous funeral and yes we can say that because when you have somebody who has lost their life in Jesus you can say it was a fabulous funeral because it's a home going 
Amen? And, so, and we know where, where he's at. And so I want to take advantage of that because all of us have had something like that happen, tragic, where your life changes in an instant. But how much do we think about it? How often do we think about it in the, in the, in the, in the, in the understanding of eternity? And so James chapter 4, if you're, if you're there, verse 14 says this, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Some of you woke up this morning and some of you will wake up tomorrow and you'll have plans. But we honestly do not know what's going to happen next week. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen? And it's, uh, it's a blessing this morning to understand that our lives are truly in God's hands. Amen? Uh, my, my, my cousin is here, Riley, visiting from Houston this morning. Riley, wave at him back there. He loves it when people embarrass him, amen, as everybody does. And uh, six years ago, his mother, at the age of 13, when he was 13, woke up one morning and had a heart attack at 39 years old and passed into eternity. And that was a humongous void for him in his life. But I'm so proud of him this morning for how he's serving God. He just got back from a missions trip from Ireland just two days ago and drove up here to be with us. And he's serving God with all his heart, with, you know, his mom gone at age 13, his dad not serving the Lord, and he's chosen, he's been through a lot, and he's chosen to serve God. And, and, and I use that as an example because we have to understand, we, we have no control over where we're born, when we're born, or to who we're born. We have no control over when we're going to die. We don't know when it's going to be or how it's going to be. I guarantee you that boy, Zach Williams, did not wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to die on my way to this funeral this morning. We do not know what tomorrow holds. I, I don't say this morbidly. This isn't a message to scare us. This is a message to get us to understand, and you'll see some biblical principles here in a moment, that God wants us to think about tomorrow. He wants us to think about eternity. I think sometimes about how many people in this world, and you may know some and you may be one, of people who plan and save, and work, and go, and do, and, and go all, do all the things of life, and never spend one second, or even a heartbeat, on where they're going to spend eternity. So I think that that's a really important thing to think about. Another one is one heartbeat from eternity. I couldn't find a good background for that, but that is the message um, uh, title. So he says in James, where, as you do not know what will happen tomorrow, watch what he says, what is your life? How many know only you can answer that? Only I can answer that. He says, what is your life? And then he goes on to say, I'll tell you what your life is. He says, your life is a vapor. Your life is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We are not on this earth very long. And we look at the expanse of eternity. Our life here is so short. My Uncle Bob lived 75 years. My Papa lived 86 years. My grand, my Mama lived 92 years. My, my wife's, all her people lived to the 100. I'm stuck with her forever. Amen. For a long time. Amen. I always throw that in. She's got good genes. It don't matter if you live to be 115. Life is short. And you might think, like, I think about this guy. Man, 25 years old. He just starting his life. Only been married 11 months. Pray for that poor, precious girl, amen, that just, that just lost her husband of 11 months. And thank God she has the Lord. Pray for that family. But you think about that, 25 years, 2 years, 100 years, it's nothing in the span of eternity. 
So if you think about how short or long a life is, it doesn't really matter. It's short in the span of eternity. And God says, I need you to think about that a little bit. I need you to think about eternity. This boy, Zach, on his Facebook page when he passed away, the day he passed away, had on his page, live every day like it's your last. Amen? What a, what a neat thing to have on his Facebook when he died because that's the life he was living. His funeral was wonderful. They, they talked about how he was preaching the gospel and serving with the youth and had given his life to the Lord. And that's, that's how we should all want to have our remembrance of us. Amen? Because, listen, outside of Jesus coming back, which I know he can come back at any moment, at any time, at any second, if he does not come back in our lifetime, if he tarries, I've got news for you. Every single one of us are going to have a funeral. Every single one of us are going to be laid to rest in a casket. And, and you have to think today about what will be said about you tomorrow. I've always said, don't make the preacher lie at your funeral. Amen. Make it, make it be, make, live a life that when, when they're talking about you at the funeral, it's good stuff. It's awesome stuff. It's, it's worthwhile stuff. It's not questions. Don't live, live a life that leaves questions about your life. But live a life where they say, man, I want to live like that person. I want to live my life like that. I want to I be vibrant. I want to serve the Lord and serve God. I remember when uh, my, my Aunt Tammy, Riley's mom, passed away. Carla put a really good, really good quote on online. She said, life is like a vapor. It's funny that she said that when I had chosen this verse, just passing by. But she said something I think we should live by. She said, cherish every moment of it. Cherish every moment of it. We need to live, laugh, and love. Amen? We need to understand that. We cannot say, I'll live, laugh, and love tomorrow. Or I'll, I'll fix my relationship with somebody next week. Or I'll do this next month. You have to do it today because tomorrow's not promised. You have to understand that. You cannot, don't live your life in a way that it would be a regret when it's all over because we just don't know when it's going to happen. And she said this as well. She said that Aunt Tammy lived a life of purpose and passion and drive. That's what I want to be said about me, that I live my life with purpose and passion and drive. Amen? You can control that this morning. But we have to stop sometimes. Don't be so busy in life that something like that happens and you say, well, I didn't know that person. It hit home close to us. It's the brother-in-law of my cousin. I, I, I knew very well his brother. I was talking to his brother at length at the viewing of my uncle the, this, just the night before, the day, night before it happened. And, and just from one day to the next, life changes in an instant. So you cannot live your life in regret. You have to fix what you can fix now. You have to make things right. I want to go to Luke chapter 12, if you would, and give me just a few minutes to give you some teaching on what the Bible says about some things in life and to give us some perspective. I said a few minutes ago about eternity. There, there's nothing wrong with working hard. We should work hard. There's nothing wrong with saving money. We should save money. There's nothing wrong with leaving an inheritance. We should leave an inheritance. The Bible says we should leave something to our children and our children's children. That not, but but I, I want you to know that the financial inheritance that you could leave to somebody is not really what matters. What really matters is leaving a spiritual inheritance. Leaving something that's going to last for eternity. 
How many parents in this world today, how many grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins are working hard to leave their family members something, listen, that they'll never see them enjoy? Doesn't even make sense. I've heard the saying, and I said this in the earlier service, if, this, if I had a lot of money, I don't, unfortunately, but if I had a lot of money, I would do what I learned, I've heard over the last 20 years. If, you, if you're giving while you're living, you're knowing where it's going. If I had a lot of money, I'd give it while I'm living. What, what good would it do to give it to my kids down the road when I'm going to be dead and not see them enjoy it? That's just me. I, I think that's a good way to live. I know that some people don't have control and you give them too early problems and this and that, but I just think it's important that, that you understand that what really matters is spiritual. That you make an impact today while you're alive on people. And Jesus said in his word in Luke 12, 16, watch this with me. He says, he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself. I mean, oh, many are the thoughts of a man. We have many thoughts. He says, he thought to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? That's a good problem. He's got too much stuff and not enough storage. No one's going to argue with that problem. But here's the problem. He said, I will do this. Verse 18, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have had many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's the thought of a lot of people in this world. They've got stuff laid up. They think it matters. They've got got a 401K. They've got savings. They've got houses. They've got all these things. But watch what he says in the next verse. But God says, you fool. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Father, for the next few minutes, anoint your word, anoint the ears to hear, challenge us, change us, transform us, cause us to think about eternity, cause us to think about what we can do on this earth while we're breathing and our heart is beating because we only get one life, Lord, and we need to spend it wisely for your glory, Father. Bless this message, bring fruit from it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. How many know it's hard to grasp what eternity is? It really is hard to grasp. Like our minds don't go there. When you begin to think about eternity, we can only think in our minds of the time we understand. We have watches, calendars, and times that we go by. So we, that's all we know. And we know amount of years. And we, we know how long it seems that things happen and things take. But we really don't get a grasp. And here's why we can't get a grasp. Because the one who invented eternity is outside of it. We're inside of time. God is outside of time. So we can't truly grasp how long eternity is. If you live, as I said earlier, 100 years, that's just, you can't even say it's just a second in eternity because that's not even measurable. 
One time I preached a message at the other church where I had a long rope of, a hun- of several hundred feet, a white rope, and I had it run through the church all different places and showed how long it was. You could see it everywhere, and, we, and you couldn't see where the end of it was. And I said, that's eternity. And then on the end, there was just like an inch of red tape, and it, that was the symbol of your life in the spans of eternity. Just that tiny little inch on that long rope, and that still doesn't give justice to what eternity is. How many people do you know and do I know that don't spend any time thinking about where they'll spend eternity? And not only where we'll spend eternity, but what am I doing to affect eternity? Isn't it amazing this morning? And it should be exciting to you. It's exciting to me to know that I can affect eternity. I can make an impact on eternity. I can make an impact on who and who spends where in eternity. People can go to heaven for eternity because I can have an impact on them. I can share Jesus with them, and they can go to heaven instead of going to hell. Amen. How many know that's a powerful thought to think that I can impact eternity? By sharing my faith. Like they said in an outreach at a park, go tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Share your faith at the job. Share your faith at the store. Tell people there is eternal life. It, oh, it is going to happen. You know, a lot of people say, I don't know if I believe that eternal life thing. I don't know if I believe in eternity. I've always told people, you don't get a choice on whether you're going to live forever. Some people say, I don't want to live forever. Well, guess what? God didn't ask you if you wanted to live forever. God said you can live where you want to live forever. Didn't ask you if you, we're immortal beings. We're all going to live. Everybody in this world is going to live forever. We just get to choose where. I was reading in discipleship on Friday about Deuteronomy 30. He says, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. But you begin to think about, I was thinking about this this week, about, about eternity. And, 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 and a lot of people, when they think about hell, don't understand. I thought this was a really good thought. We think of hell, we think of what Jesus said about it, that it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of, of, of fire, it says, where the fire doesn't go out. It's a place of torment. But do you know what the worst part of hell is? Separation from God. That's the worst part. Because here on this earth, even if I'm, you're not a believer, you might be in this place and you say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, or, or, or whatever, you, whatever you, your thought, thought about life is, you might say, I don't believe that stuff. But even though you don't believe it, God's grace is on this earth, his peace is on this earth, and even if you don't believe in God, you are, you are receiving and living off of the grace, hope, love, joy that God gives to this earth. Even if you don't believe we have a hope that we could have a future. We have a hope that we could have, we, we, we pray for peace. Don't, don't people want peace even though they don't believe in God? They, they, all these things that we want, peace, hope, love, joy, family, are attributes that come from God. So now imagine eternity without that. No hope, no love, no peace, no joy. All those things that we, we, we have by God's grace, separated from God forever. That's, that's what's going to be the worst thing about it. And church, we need to do everything we can to impact eternity. Not just our own lives. We have to take responsibility for us, 
But we have to see what we can do to grasp eternal life for other people and begin to think, how can I make an impact? I was reading this very interesting verse in Ecclesiastes 3. I'm going to have you go to Psalms 39. I don't want to waste time this morning or take time going to Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read that for you. But go to Psalms 39 if you would. I want to show you something and give you something to think about. As you're getting to Psalm 39, I want to read Ecclesiastes 3 to you because this is very interesting. As we think about eternity and our minds try to wrap around it, Solomon wrote something very interesting. He said in verse 11, he said, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Okay, how many know that God created everything and he created things beautiful? Things get turned ugly, not by him, but by man, by sin, by disobedience. So we know there's a time for everything. That's also in chapter 3. But he says this, he's made everything beautiful in its time, and he says also he has put eternity in their hearts. So eternity is in our hearts. We, we, are, we are born with that. God puts that in our hearts. But you know what the devil does? The devil suppresses that. And the devil gets, us off, gets our minds off, off of eternity and gets our minds on what? On this life. We worry about this life. We focus on this life. And there has to be a balance there. We do have to think about this life. We live in this life. But this life is just passing through to eternity. Why would we spend so much effort on something that's so short and not focus our effort on something that's so long, which is eternity? What does all this mean? It means what we do should be focused on something that will affect eternal life. Again, it's okay to save. It's okay to have a good job. It's okay to have things as long as those things don't have you. But where's your eternal focus? Are you doing something in your life today that's affecting eternity? Are you doing something to build the church, to build the kingdom of God? To make a difference in this world that's going to make a difference in eternal life. That's the question God's asking. He says in this continued verse, except no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So what he's meaning there is we can't understand everything. We can't grasp everything. We just have to do what we know. We can't understand why God would allow a 25-year-old believer to die in a motorcycle accident that just got married 11 months before when he's doing something for God. Why? But how many know, how many have been saved long enough maybe to understand that God kills a lot of birds with one stone? He does a lot of things with things we don't understand. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. I, I would give my life today at this moment, if I knew that I could make more impact dead than I have alive. Sometimes people's lives make more of an impact after they're gone than when they're alive. Sometimes a tragic accident like that causes somebody to get their attention and say, man, I better think about life because life is short. He was only 25 years old. Man, I could wake up this morning and my heart could stop beating. What have I done for God? What have I done to impact my family? What have I done to make a difference? Because church, I'm telling you, when we get up to heaven, you're going to want to have made a difference. Because we're going to have to give an account for the dash. 
in our lives. That dash that goes between the two dates of the day you were born and the day you die. What have you done in that dash? Some of you might be here this morning thinking, man, I'm in trouble. I haven't done anything for God yet. And if that's the case, start today. That's the awesome thing about God. He'll give you a chance to start today. But what's the worst thing you could do? Man, I haven't done anything for God. Well, I might die tomorrow, so I ain't getting nothing done anyways. I'll just sit back and relax. That's not the attitude God wants us to have. God can use you in supernatural ways. How many knows he takes ordinary people and does supernatural things with us? Put your life in God's hands because it is in God's hands. Realize it's in God's hand. Amen? You think, well, I'm going to give God control of my life. He has control of your life. He knows when you're going to die. He's the one making your heart beat right now. That boom, boom. That's him. I don't believe there's a God. How, do you, how, how can you even say that? He's the, how, when you think about the muscle of the heart, how it beats and pumps blood through your body, and what's making it beat? God. God. I was listening to a scientist, and he said, believing in God is scary and not believing in God is scary. He said, but the, believing in, the not believing in God part is more scary because here we are on an earth that's spinning around at supernatural crazy speeds, and if there's no God, who's governing it? Who's going to keep it from flying off into the universe? You think about if there's no God to make our heart beat, who's making it beat next? You really start to think about how important God is in every breath we take. Here we are breathing and our heart is beating because God's allowing it to. Everything comes from God. And so we need to stop and think about it. Let's look at Psalms 39, verse 4. I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to understand. Give me an amen if you're there. Psalm 39, verse 4. Look what he says here. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Just stop and think about that for a second. Remind me, Lord, how short, how brief my time on this earth will be. And then he goes on to say, remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. And I like what it says in the New King James Version. He says that I may know how frail I am. You realize how fragile life is? Do you realize, honestly, if you stop and think for a second, what a miracle it is we're all here? That how easily, how easily this heart that's in our body can stop? How easily it is to lose your breath and stop breathing? How, how easy, how, how many people get in really bad car accidents and don't die? And bad accidents happen all the time and tornadoes. and uh, th- th- Yeah, a lot of people die, but how about the people that don't? What a miracle. Life is fragile. We're super, super fragile beings. But, but the Bible says our days are numbered. And God has our days in his hands. If that's the case... I should probably take a little more serious this God who has my heart beating in his hands. I should probably listen to his word. I should probably understand that if he has my next heartbeat in his hand, that I should be obedient to him. Amen. That's where the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. 
I, I fear the Lord in a reverent way, not only because he created the universe, but because my next heartbeat is in his hand. If he wants me to stop, he can stop it at any moment. He's a big God. Watch what he says. You've made my life, verse 5, no longer than the width of my hand. David's kind of like trying to figure out how long life is. He says, my entire lifetime is a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. The New King James Version says, certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. See what the Bible's saying here? It's short. It's quick. It can, it's over like that. Now, you, if you're getting, if, you, if you're any, anybody's in here over 30, the older you get, the faster time flies. It does. You start looking, or it seems like when you're younger, it's, it takes forever. When you're 13, you want to be 18. And those five years take forever. And then when you're 18, you want to be 13 again. Because you don't want to go be an adult. And you become an adult, and you want to be a kid again. Can't go back. But then you get older, 30, 40. I'm in my mid-40s now, and I'm looking back and saying, man, it's a flash. I told Carl the other day we were talking about something. Because we're coming up on 25 years married next, next year. And I said, it, it seems like another lifetime. Like another life that I married you. It's been, seems so long. But then there's other times where it seems like it was yesterday. And, and when we get to reflect on our lives and look back on our lives, church, don't we want to do something with this life that has an eternal effect? That's going to impact somebody going to heaven because of us. He's saying, stop and think about this. Verse 6, let's close here. We are merely moving shadows. And all our busy rushing ends in nothing. What he's saying is if it's not for God, it's, it's in vain. It's in vain. And then verse 7 says, we, we heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. That's why I said earlier, give it while you're living. Not knowing who will spend it. How many people, think about how sad this is in the world today. How many millionaires there are in the world that die and leave their money and the state gets it? Not even someone in their family gets it. What, what was that for? But what could that, have, what could that money have done for the kingdom of God while they were alive? Amen? Think about that. So you might say here this morning, here's what a lot of us say, because most of us here are normal people and don't have a lot of money. We're just, we just live. And we say, man, I, I don't have any wealth. You have a wealth of time. You have a wealth of ability. You have a wealth of talent. What are you doing with it for the kingdom of God? Some of you in here have a gift to talk to people. Some of you have a gift to care for people. Some of you have, we all have different gifts. What are we doing with that gift for the kingdom of God? It's not all about money, but what are you doing with the talents that God has given you? How are you using that to make an effect on eternity? He closes and says in verse 7, So Lord, where do I put my hope? He says, my hope is in you. If you don't have your hope in Jesus today, what do you have it in? 
My hope is in Jesus, nothing else. Listen to this. Only what you do for Jesus is going to last. All the rest of it is just vain. It's just paying the bills. It's just putting gas in the car. But it's not affecting eternity. But you can make an impact on eternity today by saying, Lord, use my life. Use my life to make a difference. We talked, I talked last week, last week about senders and goers. Some are senders, some are goers, some are both. My, my aunt and uncle were senders. I was the goer. We have to be one or the other. If you're not one of those two, you're a third one, and it's called disobedient. There are only three types of people this morning. You're a giver, a sender, sorry, or a goer, or a disobeyer. Because God is telling you to do one of those two things, send or go. How many don't want to live in disobedience? Make up your mind today, I'll be a goer, I'll be a sender, but I'm not going to disobey. Sometimes he asks us to give and send. Sometimes he asks us to go. Sometimes he asks us to go and send at the same time. But whatever he's asking you to do, do it as unto the Lord. Can I give you one more thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7? This is the most important thing of anything I've said this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, you can write it down for time. He says this. The end of all things is at hand. How many have ever read that and you thought, well, we don't know when the end is. The end for your life is at any moment. Let's, don't worry about the rapture. Don't worry about tribulation. Don't worry about the future. My and your end could be today. I don't say, again, I don't, this isn't a fear message. This is a reality message. This could be the last Sunday for some of us in here on this earth. This could be the last service we have. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So he says the end is, is at hand, and watch what he says. If that's the case, he says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now, I want you to hear one more thing. After he says all that, guess what his answer is? Guess what the Word of God says we should do above all things? In verse 8, he says, above all things, listen closely, he says, have fervent Love for one another. Love for one another. Love, love, love. He says love will cover a multitude of sins. Spouses, don't go to sleep at night mad at each other. No matter how the argument is, no matter how mad you are, frustrated you are, don't do it because that next morning you don't know. You don't know. Better to give a, cat, a kiss mad than no kiss at all. Amen. I love you. And you might not feel like you love them at that time, but you say it. Because you know you do love them. You just don't feel like loving them right then. But you do it because one of the best memories of my papa, who passed away of a heart attack at 86, was that the night before he'd always kiss my mammal goodnight. And the night before he went and he kissed her goodnight and said, I love you. That's her last memory of him. Don't let your last memory be something bad. You know, and I, you, when we're walking around church and we're seeing each other and we're at work and whatever, you don't ever know when, if that might be the last person you, time you see that person. 
Shake their hand. Look them in the eyes. Treat them nicely. Treat them good. Let the last memory of you be a good one. Make a lasting impression. Now, I understand we, we, get, we have days we're not in the mood and all that, but you just, you don't, that day you're not in the mood might be the day. It's over. You don't want to live your life in regret. How many of you believe that this morning? You don't want to live your life in regret. It says be hospitable to one another. If you've got a gift, give it. Minister to each other. Be good stewards of his manifold grace. Let's bow our heads this morning. Everything that we do, church, needs to be for the glory of God. The glory of God. Do we fall short? Yes. Absolutely we fall short. But are we trying? Are we trying? Are we trying to to live a life that glorifies the Lord? Are we trying to remember and keep in our minds and our spirits? I don't, life is short. I don't have a whole lot of time with this people. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, church, listen to me. Make memories. Make memories. Make memories. Cherish the moments you have with your families. Cherish the moments you have with the people in church. Don't be that person that says, I wish I would have said I love them one more time. Don't be that person that says, I wish I'd have spent more time with that person. I was talking to a guy at the gym, and he he went to a funeral this week, and he said that the person he went to the funeral for had a lot of money and a lot of things, but he said that he was always gone working, always gone working. And I thought to myself, I bet those, I bet those, those kids and that wife sure would have liked to have had more time with him and not the things. Not the things that he left behind. Think about that this morning. Again, we have to work. We have to go. We have to do. We have, but cherish the moments. Make memories. Touch people's lives. Affect people. Make people want the Jesus you have. Amen. Make people want the Jesus you have. Live that life. All over this place this morning, maybe you're here and you don't know.